You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Welcome back to Earth Station Trek, a show where we trek from the early days on NBC to the future on Paramount Plus and everywhere in between. I'm Charles Kelso, and it's my privilege to introduce the rest of the Earth Station Trek crew, Keith Johnson. Greetings. Alan Seiler. Salutations. And Veronica Dashel. Yo. <laughs> That's going to be my thing now. I told Yo you last week. Thing? Yo, in a really deep voice. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, let's... Um, start out with a little bit of news. And when I say a little bit of news, I mean a little bit of news. There's not a whole lot that happened this week, but one cool thing that happened um, after uh, weeks and weeks of campaigning on social media, fans have now gotten LeVar Burton's name added to the roster of guest hosts for Jeopardy. Woo-hoo. Uh, Jeopardy's been doing a series of guest hosts, two week stints, each one. Um, and these are theoretically audition pieces for whoever takes over the uh, permanent uh, host uh, role. And uh, people on social media have been lobbying for LeVar from like the very beginning have been saying, get LeVar on the show. And then, you know, from his reading rainbow days and things like that, he would be an absolute natural. Oh yeah. Um, so after all of that, he has now been, added to that roster of guest hosts and he'll be the the last one to air uh i don't remember when exactly um so i'm i'm really excited about that that he's getting a shot yeah absolutely i i can see them getting extremely high ratings during the time that he's on there i would hope so um when uh mr trebek passed away who seemed like the natural successor to his role is ken jennings the 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 all-time champion player the greatest ever player of jeopardy and and a super nice guy and a great television personality um and i really didn't want to see anybody but him (laughs) um but so he he was the first guest host they had the executive producer doug richards was the next one and he did a exceptionally good job i really enjoyed him um but i'm excited to see lavar come in and get a shot i think it's going to be great He's certainly personable. He's got the personality. Mm-hmm. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. See, I, I don't think I've actually watched Jeopardy since Alec Trebek had a mustache. So I don't have, <laughs> I'm not an authority on who should, but I, I support LeVar. So absolutely. Absolutely. It's been an interesting roster with uh, Anderson Cooper and then yeah. Aaron Rodgers from the Green Bay Packers did a, yeah. a stint, which is kind of interesting. He, he was really good too. Um, I thought so. A little, a little subdued, but I really enjoyed him. Yeah, same here. Okay, well, we got a little bit of feedback this week. Um, this email actually was forwarded to us by Mike Faber of Earth Station One. Um, and this gentleman says that he tried and failed to find an email address for Earth Station Trek and can't log into Twitter, which if you're listening to this, our email address is earthstationtrek at gmail.com. So feel free to send us an email. We'd love to hear them. Uh, But he asked Mike to pass along his thanks for our good company. He's uh, struggling and falling behind on uh, all kinds of content podcasts. And he mentioned he, please tell Veronica Daschle that he especially liked her little filk mashup of Star Trek and Inspector Gadget theme near the end of the episode ah, See, Veronica nice. is the most awesome ever i that's that's exactly what it said right yeah. there that is my translation no. that came you. from a gentleman named bill so bill i'm thrilled to hear that someone liked her little song thank you <laughs> thanks bill we appreciate the feedback absolutely and uh if anyone's out there struggling to find our email it's earthstationtrek at gmail.com or we're on twitter or we're on facebook uh so reach out we'd like to hear back from people yes. absolutely yeah, or just send a red angel up in space and we'll see the signal. <laughs> no. We'll never Don't understand do that. the storyline, but <laughs> you got that, right? <laughs> exactly. Just make sure you play the little space melody with it and we'll be right. sure to get your message. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right. Keith had some Trek history for us this week. Yeah, not a lot going on this week. It was funny. I was telling we were saying before the show aired, I found a lot, there was a lot more going on with Doctor Who at this uh, this week in Trek history. But there were a couple of nuggets going on in uh, Star Trek history. 
back in 1992 and on this day april 27th an episode of the next generation aired called the perfect mate hmm. which hmm. everyone may not know that stars famka jansen who also went on to mm-hmm. become Jean gray in the x-men movies among other things and she was also a lady from one of the bond movies i forget <laughs> her name <laughs> xenia on a top that's it thank you <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't gonna say that, but I'll let, you, oh, I'll let Charles say it. <laughs> there, there is no random fact that Charles does not know. You're not kidding, right? <laughs> um, for those who don't remember, the Perfect Mate was actually a very interesting episode that I think actually could have had more um, examination. It had. It's the one where the Enterprise is ferrying what is basically a hidden cargo. Turns out to be a woman from a planet where people are highly empathetic or empathic to the point where they actually adapt and their behavior to people around them. And on this planet, the they're called uh, metamorphs. Um, and on this planet, the men who have this ability are extremely common, but women are rare. And this woman played by Fanka Jansen is being married off to a leader from another planet to help with um, stability and relations between these planets. It's a very, very interesting show and very, very, I want to spoil this. So skip ahead five seconds if you don't want to hear, but what's fascinating about the show is it shows her bonding with people like Worf and others. And ultimately it shows her becoming the perfect mate for Picard. The, 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 the thing about this is when these people meet someone, and their powers come into play, there is a period of time where they can bond with anyone. They, they, they uh, adapt their behavior to anyone. But at some point in time, they become set and they fixate on one person. And they permanently become, in many ways, what that person wants. And because of some issues, because of the great Ferengi, she ends up bonding with Picard. It's a really fascinating show. I think that um, it I think it's its ideas are probably better than its overall execution because it's only a one hour show, but there's so much discussed in that show about what it is to be what people want you to be, what is what is what do you want sometimes that you don't even know what you want. And I think it was one of those shows where for obvious reason they missed an incredible opportunity because Deanna Troy is not in the episode. And it would have been fascinating to see an empath like Deanna Troy deal with a person who has empathy and empathic powers in a completely different manner. I really enjoy that show. They should run into them again. That sounds like fun. You know, that's a good point because it would be very interesting. At the end of the show, she's married off this dude. He looks like this really dry, boring old guy. And she pretty much says, I'm still an empath. So she can always read his needs, but she's not bonded to him like she was Picard. So to your point, it would be very interesting because for all practical purposes, she's helplessly and hopelessly in love with John Luke Picard for the rest of her natural life. And he's gone. You the Olivia Newton-John song. (laughs) Right. (laughs) And kind of an interesting take on something like that kind of sort of done before in the original series with the lawn of Troyes. In that case, she used tears to make Kirk fall in love with her. And then that shows she was going to be in love with Kirk forever. But, you know, duty calls. And so off you go into the universe to have other adventures. Interesting things, I think, to be studied there. Yeah. Yeah. Also airing in this week on April 29th in from this generation was another uh, episode of the Drumhead. Oh, you may remember that. That's another good yeah, one. Yeah, that's a good one. The absolutely great episode where through a series, what starts out as an explosion on board the Enterprise, very, very quickly, people come to think that there is a major conspiracy going on on the Enterprise, and a legal person is sent in to look into this, played by the great actress Jean Marsh. And it literally... No. Don't I say... Gene Marsh is from Doctor Who. Gene oh. Simmons is a trained actress. <laughs> Thank and you. Not, I, and not the bassist in Kiss. <laughs> Thank you. And I wrote this down right here looking at it. Sorry. So thanks about that. It's a great episode because it literally shows what happened when paranoia and fear and basically taking the demons and shadows you see and making them real runs amok. It turns into a witch hunt very quickly. It is an absolutely great episode, and the interactions between Miss Simmons and Patrick Stewart are just phenomenal. Really great episode of TNG. It really is. I'm 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 thinking back. Mm -hmm. First, like TOS and TNG, there was a lot of morality episodes, but after that, there wasn't 
quite so many. There's a little on Voyager, but I don't, I'm not, were there any on DS9? There's definitely none in the new series that I can think of. That's a very good point. I think, yes, just not presented in the same way. Yeah, you don't get it. You see Timmy all the time at the end, but um, they 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 touch on a lot of social issues and things like that. Yeah, yeah, and I and I think too to your point, you're right, Veronica. Because also, if you look, especially Deep Space Nine, the truth of the matter is, some of those showrunners got away from Gene Roddenberry's vision, and you know it's very interesting because Deep Space Nine, some of the greatest shows in Star Trek history, are also some of the shows that I'm positive Gene Roddenberry would have said, "Are you out of your mind?" Uh, like we yeah. talk about in the pale moonlight. Um, so yeah, I think to a certain extent they got away from that. But uh, yeah, I think that um, the kind of the morality lessons, like like you like you say, the see Timmy moments, they kind of went away in in later things. I prefer that, but so, there's so many times I see people going, "This is not Star Trek because it doesn't have a message of moral in the meeting," and that's that's an ongoing debate sometimes. <laughs> yeah, even on the newest season of Discovery, though, you had like that episode uh, with the go to Trill, but it very much involves Adira and Gray, mm-hmm. and right. then later in the season you have Adira, you know talking about how um, they're non-binary. Right. You just don't necessarily have a speech at the end of the episode. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And it reflects the times. And last thing on this day, which is I thought very fascinating, is there was a, a relatively famous birthday, um, April 27th, 2018, just three years ago. Uh, do you guys have any idea? You care to even try to guess? A fictional or real life? Ah, uh, fictional. It's got to be fictional. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> know, Unless there's this really cool I mean, three-year-old that we're talking I can name about. Off, I can name off a lot of people who had birthdays on April 27th, but they're not <laughs> fictional. Well, April 27th of um, 2018 on the planet Trill, the Dax symbiont is born. Hey. Wow. So the Dax symbiont is a little baby swimming in a pool right now. <laughs> and <laughs> a little tadpole. They, yeah, of where does that yeah. nugget come from? I mean, certainly Trill doesn't have the same calendar system that we have. So how do we know it was April 27th? Good old memory alpha, the 2018, and then they translated the day on Trill to the day in uh, Earth history. So, so what random. It, yeah, whatever day it was on Trill was April 27th in um, in our time. And the Dax symbiote, so the Dax symbiote is only three years old. And of course, by the time of Deep Space Nine, the Dax symbiote, have been joined to a total of nine hosts at that time, starting with a host named Leela Dax and ending from what we saw with Ezri Dax. Another interesting character, the, the Trill, of course, were first introduced on The Next Generation in different kind of, there were different things about the Trill. For example, yes. I remember the Trill on TNG did not want to teleport through the, the transporter because it seemed like there was something interesting with that. Yeah. There were some beforehand. changes. Yeah, yeah, completely <laughs> different. Yeah. <laughs> so got the Dax trivia crawling around as a little infant right now. Or swimming around. <laughs> awesome. in, a, in a little goldfish bowl. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> On some captain's desk. Right. <laughs> and that's it for our Trek history. Awesome. Then we're going to take a quick break. Uh, we'll hear a promo from one of our fellow ESO Network podcast shows. And then when we come back, we'll just dive straight into our discussion topics. So stay right where you are. Time to grab your pillow and join the Geek Father in Little Bit for discussions on current, nostalgic, and speculative happenings in pop culture. Nerd news, fandom histories, deep dive discussions, reviews, and more. It's like listening to your closest friends have a nerdy conversation. So sit back, relax, and let the Blurred Nerds podcast embrace you with their warm, goofy goodness. It's nerd goals for your ear holes, right here on the ESO Network. So this week, uh, we decided we would spend a little time talking about the short treks. Uh, These are 10 very short episodes, uh, 15 minutes or less, um, that occurred between seasons two and three, seasons one and two of Discovery, and then seasons two and three. The first season of them, the first four ones, all sort of tied into very specific plot points uh, that were going to be addressed in season two of Discovery. So they were all sort of little precursors. 
except for one, and we'll talk about that later. And then season two, the next six short treks did all sorts of different things mm. um, with all kinds of different styles of episodes and styles of presentation. And, and it addresses more than just discovery. So uh, we're going to take a look at all of those. And um, uh, when did you guys see them on when they first came out or uh, did you catch them later on, like secondarily? Uh, it was pretty much when they first came out. Well, spoilers. So, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I think that the first season, because I fell off from watching season one and then I came back later mm. on to watch it. So I, I eventually caught up on season one and then season two, I pretty much watched as they as they aired, I think. Yeah. OK, whatever Chuck said is my answer as well. <laughs> <laughs> this never happens in real life. Just so you know. <laughs> I definitely caught them later. As a matter of fact, I caught them so late that it was on Paramount Plus. There, there you go. <laughs> um, I really, this is something that I've really enjoyed. Um, the, the, at first it was mainly because there was going to be kind of a long gap between season one and two of discovery. And this was a way to fill time, um, as well as, um, set up some stuff for the second season, but I've, I've thoroughly enjoyed, um, especially the ones from, uh, the first season, the ones that, you you watch the the episode the short track and you're like how is this going to fit in with season two and you have to like play these sort of like little games to figure out where this is going to go <laughs> uh the first one runaway uh tilly meets an alien who just sort of shows up on the ship uh who turns out to be the queen of a planet called zahia and you're like well where is this going to go and then uh the queen Poe is her nickname, shows up at the end of Discovery Season 2, and it's like this big, happy moment, and it's so cool, and it's so lovely. The second short trek, though, Calypso, is the one that's the most fascinating. Um, it was uh, a guy called Kraft who finds himself on Discovery a thousand years in the future, mm -hmm. or, or so we're led to believe, um, where the crew has completely abandoned the ship, and the ship is just hanging in space its computer has developed an ai so it's a fully cognizant being basically and uh craft has this whole like sort of relationship with the ship and we don't know how the uh ai develops we don't know where the crew has gone so we've had hints of that throughout seasons two and three of discovery but we don't know the full story on that yet. And I find that so fascinating. What did you guys think of that one? And how do you think that one's going to play out? Well, when Calypso, when that's the question I had, when, when the ship says that she has been waiting for a thousand years, is she saying a thousand years from the 23rd century or a thousand years from the time they jumped into in the last season of discovery? Right. Exactly. Exactly. I yep. think the way I read it was a thousand years after the crew abandoned ship. So whenever that happens, the ship carries on for another thousand years. That's the right. way I saw it. So, but they didn't abandon ship in the first. Not yet. Season. Yeah, that's so what I'm saying. Was, it hasn't. It, we haven't seen the whole play out from this one yet. So I mean, maybe that's thousand. maybe that's going to be the end of Discovery with right, them so leaving the ship for good. And so they're what nine hundred years in, our, in the future from the original. Right. They jump nine hundred years from the twenty. Third century, right? They're right? in the thirty-second century now. Yeah, thirty-second. So this this episode must have therefore taken place in the forty-second century, possibly, maybe. That's what, yeah, that's what I was thinking because to your to the point I was thinking was there's no time when we saw them abandon the ship, and certainly not for a thousand years. Um, yeah, it was, and then they, they, it was interesting, and he made some comment about. She said to him, the planet that he was from. She said there wasn't a lot of humans on it. And then he said, there's more. There, 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 or he said something to the effect of the numbers have grown. So there's all kinds of questions about what is that all about? Uh, I thought it was a it was a beautiful episode. The actor Algis Hodge is a really great actor. People remember yeah. him you know, from all kinds of things. Probably first he uh, was known as um, the computer genius on the series Leverage. And he's mm -hmm. gone through a lot of other uh, stuff. I thought it was a really sweet show. I thought it was sad when... Um, he basically was telling the ship it's been a thousand years. And she, even though she is um, a sentient being, she still doesn't think that she can disobey her order. Cause evidently the last order from the captain was wait, wait a thousand years. Yeah. And she's still hanging out. I mean, that's amazing. Well, you know, it's computer logic. 
Yeah, I like Calypso a lot. I think it's probably my favorite of the short treks. Um, mm. And I would be okay if they didn't tie it in and they just let it be its own thing. But they seem pretty intent mm. in, in tying <laughs> it in somehow. Right. Um, which I'm I'm interested to see how they will do that because the the ship was still the you know season one configuration of the ship. It yes, wasn't right. the Discovery A yet. Yes, exactly. Right. Now, of course, yeah. part of that is just a production thing where they right. could not have predicted that they would basically rebuild the ship. Sure. You know. Yeah. At the time that they made, but with pro programmable matter, maybe it could just transform back. Who knows? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> but I liked it a lot, and I don't remember now which one came first. But it was around the same time frame that this came out, and then that Orville episode um, where Isaac was there doing mm -hmm. singing in the rain or something. And I was like, this happens a lot with AIs <laughs> right. coming back to old musicals. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, the, the love of Funny Face, the movie, right? Oh, uh, there you go. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I thought that was that was I thought that was pretty sweet. Uh, Calypso was written by Michael Chabon, right? Mm, yes, uh, and that was sort of our first taste of what was going to be coming because he was uh, prepped to be taking over the show running duties on Picard. Mm. So it kind of gave us a first, uh, you know, sense of what we were going to be getting from him, and and I, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a gorgeous, gorgeous episode. Very not very not Trek like though to me. It was so different. And I think that that in itself points toward some of the later short tracks, which are, you know, basically the short tracks have done anything that the writers have wanted them to do, which right. I've really thoroughly enjoyed. Right. One of, the, one of the things I liked about it, because so many times, even in, in track and some science fiction, there are many times where you've seen an AI that's been alone for some times. It basically becomes kind of weird, you know, almost like a fatal attraction. I mean, just, you can think of so many short so many science fiction stories where the AI gets a person and they don't let them go, you know, where they kind of say, I want you to stay with me forever or something. And I thought it was pleasantly surprised where at the end, when she basically says he's healed enough, it's time for him to go home. And I thought that was really cool that again, and she has no idea if she's ever going to see anybody again. I thought it was kind of sweet that she, he has a, he has a family, hopefully still back on home. He said he was gone from war for, for war. He was a reluctant soldier. He said, and he hadn't seen his child since the child was one. Yeah. So he off fighting a war for 10 solid years. And again, sometimes looking at science fiction, I was kind of thinking, huh, is she going to get kind of weird and tell him not let him leave? <laughs> right. But I thought it was kind of cool. These things can turn threatening out. any second now. <laughs> exactly. So it was, it was really, it was really bittersweet. I, I felt sorry for the ship. It, it was, it was interesting. I, I'll tell you this. I completely didn't expect that. I, I that mm. would call Completely off guard. I'm like, what in the heck is Absolutely. going on? Absolutely. So, I love it when I have no idea about something. One thing I was thinking is it makes, especially after this year that we've had, mm -hmm. the fact that the AIs kind of go insane from not communicating with anyone and not mm. having seen anyone, it makes it makes total sense. Cause I mean, a lot of people are going through that, even though they can do like Zoom and everything. People are going a little nuts, not quite as nuts as the AIs tend to do, but <laughs> It also hasn't been a thousand years. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it seemed like it. Yes. <laughs> um, another interesting point about Calypso is that um, uh, Kraft uses the word Vadresh, yep. which mm -hmm. is a slang, sort of like a, a modified word for Federation, which we get in season three as they jump into the future. And so that kind of gives you a sense of, you know, where they where this takes place sort of but it, i think that's a really interesting like foreshadowing good yeah. point i would like for him to show up whether it made total sense with calypso or not because uh <laughs> i like him i thought he was cool yeah same here you know and i kind of wondered was he was it intended that he was going to be the the character role that book played Mm. And maybe uh, maybe Aldous wasn't available or something, and they came up with a different character. Was that going to be a tie-in? Was uh, Kraft going to carry over into season three of Discovery? I kind of wondered that too. To your point, Aldous is all over the place. He's done, he's done so many shows on television now. Mm -hmm. He's done movies like One Night in Miami. He just starred in, so he's a he's definitely a busy actor. Yeah, I wonder if what they originally planned because that was that was one of the first ones right between seasons one and two mm -hmm. yeah what if they had planned to leave that ship from michael um and that's why it was there and michael just hadn't found it yet and that's why it was still in that configuration because that was the original intention 
Hmm. And the others hadn't, they weren't going to have them oh, you mean go like into if, the future. If, if the discovery hadn't followed her. Right. right. Yeah. Instead, and they said, wait. Could be. And that's exactly what I was thinking as we were getting to the end of season two, that that was what was going to happen. When, um, when the uh, control entity took over the ship, I was like, well, how can they get control to the future without the ship taking it to the future? And of course, they didn't. So, yes. <laughs> so I was like, well, now I have no idea what's going on. <laughs> so maybe they'll flash forward to 100 years in the future and they'll yeah. magically find Enterprise, even though everyone... Yeah. From the original, not Enterprise, Discovery. <laughs> I was like, yay, the Enterprise. <laughs> <laughs> Even everyone, now, though, everyone from the original is long gone. Now, my theory about the developing AI on Discovery is that Discovery's uh, databanks basically have the entirety of the uh, accumulated knowledge that the sphere that they found held. And also, um, right before her final demise, Arium uploaded basically her entire personality into the computer. And I think that the mixture of those two things is what brings that AI entity eventually to life on Enterprise. I, I mean, on that. Discovery, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. So Arium lives on. Potentially, yeah. I mean, so far they've made it sound like it's the sphere data. But yeah. I would love if but there's got to be something that triggers it, I think. And I think that yeah. Arium is the thing that, that sort of like lights the match. Yeah, could be. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so, so moving on, um, Brightest Day was a Saru episode, and you get a whole backstory of Saru and his people and his planet, um, which the brightest, brightest uh, star, I think it was. Yeah, Brightest Star, which sort of seemed at odds with what we had been told up to that point about his people and the relationship that they had with their captors. Um, so, what did y'all think about that one? Until you mentioned it, I forgot that that was a short trek. <laughs> I mean, oh. I didn't forget the episode, but I forgot that it was a short track. I remember like there was a flashback for Saru, but I yeah. didn't remember it was short track. Yeah, yeah. I I like that one. Um, I mean, I always find it kind of silly when like the native just figures out how to use alien technology or advanced technology. So right. That 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 seems silly to me, but I like seeing Saru's planet and you know the production values of his planet are great. Oh yeah. I mean, that was a lot of money spent on a fifteen minute. Episode. Yeah, well, but they knew they were going to do it for the the episode for this for season yeah. two also. Oh, sure, of course. It just seemed like really incredibly lavish. Oh yeah, the first time you see it, it's amazing. Uh, absolutely. I, I thought it was a good. I thought it was a good episode. I think episodes like that. Uh, one one thing Star Trek always does, I think, at its best is even if on the screen Star Trek doesn't uh, delve into an idea or treat it the way you like it, the germ of the idea always gets you thinking. Mm -hmm. So every time I, I visit, I always visit his people. Um, it's, it's fascinating to me to think about people who are born to think that this is their lot in life. Like, but there was one point where Saru asked his father, what if my time is coming soon? His father just goes, well, then it's your time and you ought to be thankful to go to the, to the great balance. And it's, it's always fascinating to me how um, sentient beings, more than any other creatures, can be programmed in a way where we go against nature. Like we, were pro we can be programmed to love dying in a strange way because his dad was all about, well, this is what it's supposed to be. And we see this so much, so much in, in history on Earth. You know, there's that old saying, you can take, you can remove the bars of a prison, but the person still is in the prison. And I thought it was fascinating to see this entire race. One of the things we find out from the series I thought was so funny was like, didn't they say it was maybe only 2,000 years before that Saru's people were the predators mm. instead of the prey? And so there's, I would, there's so much about that history I'd like to see because 2,000 years is a very long time. But it's fascinating to me that in that time, their entire knowledge of their history has gone. Mm -hmm. And then you always think about, I'm always, you, know, you always say what you think you do. I'm always thinking, well, heck, I'd be the one when that thing came up. I'd leave the village. You know, I'd go out into the wilderness where nobody could find me. And but then maybe with the with the advanced technology of their captors, maybe they can't wander like, you know, maybe yeah. I was think, I'm thinking like I'll go to a desert or a high mountain or a cave rather than give myself up and then discover the transformation. But between the fact that they're programmed to think that's the way it's supposed to be, and then the fact these people have advanced technology, maybe nobody can sneak away and let the change happen. Because that's what happened with Saru. He basically went through this change that everybody in the planet 
of his species has forgotten is the natural course of what they're supposed to be. So I found that to be uh, very fascinating. One thing I, I had a little difficulty and I still have some difficulty with um, the fact that the oppressive race, the, what do they call the Ba, how do you pronounce it? Ba'ul. The Ba'ul. Ba'ul. The Ba'ul. Which is I'm such a Stargate kind of name. Yes, I was isn't about to it, say that. Isn't it? Yes. You, you hear Tilt going to gold. And, uh, <laughs> and, I, and it's always funny because General Hammond, the country boy, would just say the Gould. Yeah. And Tilt, Tilt always pronounced things perfectly. But the only thing I couldn't quite understand is the, the Ba'ul have very advanced technology. And I'm not understanding why they let a Federation ship approach, a Federation shuttle land on the planet and take away one of their people. I kind of didn't get that because later on in the series, they're like, get away and don't mess with our folks. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, I remember in the series, his sister, when he, he met up with his sister again, she was so upset. And now looking at this, I get what happened. He literally went for a walk and disappeared and never came back. So I can see why she is so heartbroken mm-hmm. and, and kind of resentful when she finally sees him later. That was that was fascinating. That, do, we, that was really fascinating. do we know from the short trek, do we know that the no matter how advanced they are, do that do we know that the Baul are aware of extraterrestrial life? You know, maybe they just you know maybe a ship know. shows up because they just don't know to look for one yeah and maybe that's what causes them to be so much more xenophobic later on oh, oh i got you, you like know? okay they you're saw not that, coming back right. here to take any more of our people yeah i will say this the baul are one of the most interesting races i've seen created in star trek i would yeah. love to see more but those ships the sounds that they associate with those ships the look of that baul we saw what an incredibly fascinating race yeah. i'd love mm-hmm. to see more them. They look like Armus crossed with the girl from the ring. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> truly alien. They yeah. were truly yeah. alien. And I, so, I really I like the way they played off of the stuff they'd established yeah. in this short trek in season two in yeah. Discovery's third season. When you see even just little pictures of the Baul and the Kelpian holding hands and that kind of stuff, just giving you the indication that like things have moved on since then, which I thought was a great use of the the jump forward in time, nine hundred years. Mm-hmm. But I was also thrilled they they brought back the actress who played his sister and the and the and the actor who played his dad, mm-hmm. um, right. in as new Kelpians. Yes, like, yes, they're, they're great. So I, I love to see them again. Mm-hmm. And I thought his, the guy who played his dad was um, very effective as the, the the old storyteller on the on the holodeck. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. I would like to have seen the conversations between, I think he said, Lieutenant Giorgio and Mm -hmm. Starfleet Command, because wasn't that technically a violation of the Prime Directive? Yes. (laughs) So it's weird. So to your point, Charles, a piece of equipment falls in one person's hands and he's clever. She's like, hey, can we go get him? And I'm thinking, well, his sister might have been just as smart. You could have gone back home to the hut or whatever and said, hey, you want to come with me? I thought that was just a little weird where she goes, I had a hard enough time convincing them to let you come because you're extraordinary. Nobody's ever done this before. And then she goes, oh, and if you come with me, you'll never return home. You cool with that? <laughs> uh, 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 can I have a second? <laughs> <laughs> that was wild. I like to think that Captain George Joe is just like pulling up the different planets like, hey, hop in. <laughs> Let's go have a Star Trek. <laughs> right. <laughs> it was well, cool. it was cool yeah. to see to see Captain Giorgio again. Yeah, you yes. know, after having her spoiler alert, you know, end in season one, it was yeah. cool to see her again. Yeah, not yeah. the Empress, but the Captain. Yeah. yeah, I I would still like to find out why the All Seeing Eye obelisks look just like the Preserver obelisk from the Paradise Syndrome, but turned upside down. <laughs> I never thought of that. Yeah, I, I I felt like that was building to something, and it didn't. It was not. Mm. Not yet. I yeah. never, what a good call! I never thought about that. <laughs> and the thing you said, uh, <laughs> thing you said, Charles, about running around a galaxy that could be. And actually, I've read science fiction treatments like that. I'm sure we all have, where advanced races put tests out for people, and then they go grab the person that can figure things out. I mean, I've seen that done so many different ways. Even on the, the TV series Stargate Universe, there was a guy who was um, uh, he was um, the, the young young man who yeah. ended up on the ship and he was recruited after he had solved this crazy puzzle in a video game that nobody could solve unless they were basically a mathematical genius. So that would be an interesting concept to see a, a race just dropping equipment on planets all over the galaxy. 
And whenever they get a signal, they just go grab that one person and take them with them. Keith, you should watch The Last Starfighter. You told I was going to say the same that. thing. <laughs> you, you, you told me off the podcast that you've not seen The Last Starfighter. That's what I you're mean, this is right true. Now. I have not seen that. <laughs> That's, this is the plot. Okay. Right. <laughs> I also haven't seen Starman while we're at it. Oh. There was a, um, when you were talking about that, there's a series that, um, oh, Klein, who did Ready Player One. There's another book Ernest he did. Klein. What? Armada. Armada, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Along the same lines. So mm-hmm. okay. listen to that book. It's great. Okay. okay. Cool. <laughs> um, so, so Moving on it. from recommendations. Jumping into uh, the second season of Short Treks, uh, we get a really varied uh, mix of stuff. We get two episodes that basically lead into what eventually will be Strange New Worlds. We get a standalone yeah. about Tribbles. We get two really, really amazing animated episodes of two completely different styles and then one that sets up picard yes i just think that's really amazing that they that they're the presentation is so diverse like you get so many different styles of things this is a way to you know it's a format that lets you try new things and and do new approaches and to put star trek in new formats and i i love it the um i think it was the first animated one uh, with the little robot that was f- mm-hmm. flying all around, and the tardigrade. Is that the first one or the second? Yeah, one? That's, that's the one I don't like. Yeah, that that really reminded me of Wally. Yeah, that was Ephraim <laughs> and Dot or Ephraim, yep. however you pronounce Ephraim that. Ephraim and Dot, yeah, yeah. Which was interesting because it's sort of like a like a TOS and TNG greatest hits sort <laughs> of fly through yes. of like Trek history. But you know. all the ships are wrong. <laughs> They've got the Disco Enterprise instead of the original series, and then they've yeah. got the Enterprise A exploding over the Genesis planet. <laughs> and, 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 you and, hear and, and it yelling at the TV when we watched it. <laughs> I can't let it yes. go. This is one of those you have to put your brain on hold. So you're telling me that Tardigrate was chasing the ship throughout all those what boils down to be years? Yeah. A- yeah. After they up, like after they did a two-year refit, no one saw them. Tom and Jerrying around the ship. <laughs> yeah, because- <laughs> Yeah, because they showed they showed Khan, they showed uh, and I, and then I did notice they did something out of order because when yeah, the they, they, they showed uh, Khan first and then they showed the naked time. They yeah. showed Sulu uh, with the sword. and they're looking through a window into sick bay. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's yes. true. Yeah. So yeah. I, I just pretend that this is like a a a, a school thing for the twenty fourth yeah. century. Like spot the errors in this cartoon, <laughs> <laughs> the historical errors, or. It's a it's an animated project by a, a Starfleet Academy student who just didn't do his homework very well. <laughs> right. Yes. Right. It's Julian Bashir. He he's not a historian. Yeah. It was just yeah. You have you literally have to put your brain on hold for that. It was fun. It was yeah. cute. Yes. It I yeah. laughed. It didn't amount to much, but it was cute. Right. Right. But I did laugh, and I did think it was clever. The little you'd see the flash, and then there's another episode, and then they showed Abraham Lincoln. In yeah, a chair yeah, from yeah. The Savage Curtain. I gotta admit, I laughed when I yeah. saw that. And didn't they show um, Apollo's hand? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I think it's interesting that that basically it's sort of like a like a precursor to Lower Decks, where everything yeah. is so referential, and yes. the animation style is more cartoonish, and yeah. it's a quicker pace. Um, so it doesn't, it's not telling you anything about Lower Decks, but it's like introducing that style. But lower yeah. decks would have gotten those ships right. Yes. Oh, of course they would. Lower <laughs> decks, lower decks does their homework. Lower yes, decks absolutely. gets their references correct. Yeah. yeah, dude. Lower decks has the Okudograms right, so they yeah. definitely yeah. do their working. Yeah. It, yeah. It was it was a fun trifle or trifle, but I, I enjoyed it. I laughed. Like I said, there was not a single one of these tracks that I hated or, or yeah. even disliked. So yeah, I just kind of blew it off, and you know, and I, sure. I, I can be that person. I'm not a nitpicker per se, but every now and then I'm like, why is Sulu with the sword coming after Khan? Then I, I just let go and just enjoy it. like you said, Charles, I'm, like, I'm like, that's a really pretty enterprise, but that's not the right enterprise. Right. <laughs> I had to let go. <laughs> it was fun. It was. It really was fun. fun. Yeah, that's all it was intended to be. I like the Tribbles one. I think yes. the Tribbles yeah. one is funny. <sighs> yeah, I want that character to come back. I want to girl. build one of those big triple backpack vacuums and walk around Dragon Con with it. <laughs> that, was, that, was, that was insane. I'm like, dude, that's a 20th, 20, 21st century vacuum thingamajiggy he's got. I thought that was, it, you know, the only thing with, well, here I go again. I, I, I don't want to be back. 
I, I don't, I do not want to get the rep of being that guy, but I did have to say, if all this happened with that ship on the Tribbles, why were the Tribbles a surprise to Kirk and McCoy later on? Or especially Spock, because that's what I exactly. said. Because the whole, there's a running gag in the Trouble with Tribbles that Spock knows everything about everything. But right. he's never heard of that time his shipmate caused it, like a lost her ship and caused the yes. intergalactic incident over these triples. So it doesn't right. it doesn't make sense with the trouble with triples, but as its own thing, it, it's funny. Right. Yeah, and that that one I really had my brain on hold because he said I thought it was funny, and, and they obviously did this on purpose. He Edward specifically said the only problem with the triples is they breed too slowly, and he genetically engineered them to breed fast. Mm -hmm. And of course, in the original series, they said that the whole point was the triples came from some planet. I love to see. Their home planet was so incredibly dangerous that they had to produce that fast because of all the predators. So I had a that was another one. I that one I literally had to say, okay, Keith, you cannot be looking at the um the the the, the original series and you can't be looking at continuity because this thing was all over the freaking map. But I must admit, I laughed. And like you said, when he came in with the device sucking up the triples, I gotta tell you, I just I just <laughs> that was that was hilarious. One. And then they and then there was this one scene where they showed a crewman, a crewman, a woman, and it looks like she was getting eaten by the troops. <laughs> that was hilarious. Mm -hmm. That caught me off guard. I didn't expect that because the troubles were supposed to be sweet. And I don't know if they ate her or what. That that was just hilarious. Yeah, to I, me. I took it as she was just getting buried alive. <laughs> and she was screaming and it was so corny. Oh, that was funny. That was funny. Bronca, what was your favorite one? It, it was the trouble. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. It was just, it was hilarious. And uh, that actress. She's been in a lot of really great things. Yeah, she has. She was a lead of battle angel. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. And then she did another thing where she was partially animated and I'm yeah. forgetting the name of it. Me too. Oh, yeah. She's on a series now. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, and I, and I, I did think it again, like I, 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 of all of them that I had the biggest trouble with continuity and I, I had to just divorce myself in the original series, but it was hilarious when they like, she's sitting in front of that board and they're like, you've been, a, you've been two weeks in command of a ship. And she's like, and this happened, and this happened, and this happened. And she goes, he's an idiot. And I thought that was <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, so we get our uh, uh, two really solid uh, pieces of uh, Strange New Worlds mm. uh, with uh, Spock, number one, and Captain Pike in two different of these short treks. Yeah. And I really enjoyed seeing those, and it really sold the idea that, yeah, eventually we are definitely going to be doing a Strange New Worlds. Yeah. Uh, of course, they're, they're doing it partially because they have the actors and they have the sets built, so why not use all those things? But, you know, in those early days uh, after season two of uh, Discovery ended, and you're like, the thing that is the most obvious thing for CBS to do is to make a Strange New Worlds series, and they had not announced anything yet. This was like telling you we're we're definitely going to be doing it. Oh yeah, yeah, and <laughs> it, it, and it made perfect sense too because I mean Discovery. Some people love it, some people hate it, but it's a very polarizing show. Whereas yeah. with Captain Pike and the Enterprise, that was like the most universally beloved thing they had done up to that point. <laughs> where just everybody, no matter what you thought of Discovery, everyone was like, "Yep, this is great. This is what exactly I want." Exactly right. <laughs> that is exactly right. But I thought that. You know, for this, they did a lot of like the corridors and the yeah. hallways, like just redressing discovery sets, right. repainting them. And I thought that it worked very well with the brighter colors. Oh, yeah. Without a doubt. Discovery is just too dark. Yeah. <laughs> um, I do want to talk about the uh, the second animated one, The Girl Who Made the Stars. Okay. What did you think about that one? I thought it was absolutely gorgeous. It was pretty but confusing. That is what, <laughs> that's what I recall of it. I saw it once, but that is what I recall of it. Okay. It was pretty, but I was confused. Yeah, I thought it was well done. It, you know, it, it wasn't very Star Trek-y, and that's why I, was, why I watched this for the Star Trek. But I thought it was well done. I, I liked that it was... I, I thought it was a little weird that Michael Burnham had a stuffed tardigrade when she was a baby. But if I'm, <laughs> unless, I'm <mis> yeah. <laughs> unless I'm mistaken, that was um, Sonequa Martin-Green's real husband who was playing her father. So I thought it was it, it's cool to get him in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it reminded me of um, it reminded me of some of the the Pixar shorts that mm. Pixar does before movies. Yeah, oh, that's a and, good point. Yeah, yeah, I thought it was lovely. I agree with you. I think it was one of those. It, it doesn't didn't really add anything to the track continuity or the Discovery continuity, but I thought it was a lovely fable, and, it, and especially because it was taking place in uh, it looks like Africa, mm. right? And so it was, and it had the 
and I, and I love, you know, every, every culture in history has their own belief in how the stars came to being, you know, mm-hmm. the Greeks, of course, which most of us in the Western world know about with the Greeks and, you know, everybody from Hercules being put up in there to this and that. And I just thought it was kind of cool of their myth of that story's myth of how the stars got into the sky. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I thought it was really sweet. It was a nice yeah. one. Definitely one you could show kids. Yeah. I think my favorite one though, is the last one that they've done so far. Children of Mars. Okay. I love that one. Um, yeah, the shortest of them too. Uh, yeah, eight minutes. Yeah, well, mm-hmm. uh, the girl who made the stars was seven minutes. Okay. So, but all the all those ones in season two were all pretty short. Yeah. Um, but I just thought Children of Mars was so interesting. Uh, you have these two basically teenage girls, one human, one alien, who were going to uh, school, and apparently don't like each other and have this rivalry with each other and they're mean to each other, but they both have parents that are stationed on um, the uh, shipyards on Mars. And so they, they have this, this relationship and they fight each other and they don't like each other. And then in the middle of the episode, and, and they have this really gorgeous whole scene that plays out over Peter Gabriel's cover of David Bowie's heroes. And, as the song crescendos, their uh, anger toward each other crescendos, and it's so gorgeously done. And then Mars gets attacked. And that's the thing that sort of brings them together. And I just, man, I just think that's a, it's a fabulous episode. Mm. Absolutely loved it. The main thing I remember about that episode is Chuck complaining about the bus. No, I wasn't complaining about the bus. I, 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 no, I noticed <laughs> that they reused a lot of Discovery ship yes. assets and it was the first time we had seen the 24th century since nemesis yeah so complaining i i i was <laughs> making you aware i bet it came across as complaining <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> i wrote in my notes on that one that i saw the plot coming a mile away and that did not m- diminish at all the power of that mm-hmm. episode. Yeah. It was a really great episode. I also put a note. I haven't seen a fight like that in high school since Cobra Kai. Because, <laughs> my gosh. Yeah, they didn't just push each other. They started knocking the crap yeah, out they of were, each other. <laughs> they were seriously going at it. I was yeah. really kind yeah. of surprised. Yeah, I was expecting the... It wasn't uh, just I, hair pulling. It was like smashing her into the lockers and stuff. Yeah, and she bloodied her nose. And then right. it's almost like... It was almost like a Bruce Lee moment. She wiped and this blue blood came right. out and she kind of like, oh, no, you didn't. Boy, I, I thought she was going to knock exactly. her head against the floor. That was a great fight. Yeah, that was a great fight. <laughs> but also, I thought was really wild is, to your point, in the middle of the fight, well, after they were in detention and um, the, the attack on Mars happened, the actor, it's funny how people can do things and, and not even have really lines. The actor who was the, the teacher, the principal, the older Vulcan, Mm-hmm. It was, it was, it's so, it's Vulcans are so hard to, I think, play because you don't want to be completely emotionless and you don't want to be too emotional. But there was a look on his face when they realized what was happening on Mars that was just powerful. Mm. And I thought that was such a good episode because it's, it's pretty much all silent. There's very little dialogue in yeah. that episode. Yeah, and exactly. The, yeah. The look on his face for a Vulcan, it was. It was just pain in his face. And then when you saw, it was a brief moment, but you saw the pain on his face when, when they were looking at the, um, they were looking at the little pads and then you saw the attack on Mars and the attack on Mars was actually fascinating too. It was really well done. Oh yeah. And uh, yeah, it was, it was, um, I saw that coming, but it was, it was a really powerful show uh, episode. It, it really got me really got, I watched it twice in a row. I thought it was so good. Yeah. Yeah. So I've, I've mentioned this a couple of times before on previous episodes, but I'm a little dismayed that we've gotten this far into announcements for upcoming shows and there's still no mention of there being any more short tracks. Yeah. And I'm yeah. wondering if they have abandoned the idea, if it doesn't really serve a purpose anymore. The first ones were to sort of bridge a long gap between two seasons of the only show they had. And now they've got, uh, multiple uh, series that are going to be staggering throughout each other. So is there a need for the short treks? Also, could they do the short treks this last year? Because wasn't um, production and discovery wrapping up right as COVID started? Yeah, yeah, that's true. I mean, yeah. you know, you do have that consideration as well. I would like for them to continue with the short treks. It's yes. something fans have said for years that why not have a Star Trek anthology show? Absolutely. And that's yeah. what yeah. I've always that's wanted. That's essentially what short treks is. It's just they're just not yeah. full length episodes, but they're you know, as long as the story needs to be. 
Exactly. I agree with that because I, I agree with you because I think you don't need a short tracks, but I think we want a short tracks. Mm-hmm. For example, I, despite whatever the books have said, I would love to see a star. I've always wanted to see a treatment of Voyager after they got home mm-hmm. because the, 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 the literally the last line in Voyager was Janeway goes, we're home. And then the show. That's ends. not how she said it. No, you got to do the. You got to do the impression. Come on. Uh, she got to do that. We're home. There we go. <laughs> that sounded more like ET calling home. <laughs> and you know, I could read the books, but I've always, I've always wanted to see because we know they've been in communication Starfleet. But basically, you got a bunch of Maquis on that ship. You got a Borg on that ship. Did they try to uh, Chakotay and crew? Did they summarily kick them out of Starfleet? Did they pardon them? There's so much I'd like to see. So to your point about the, the anthology series yeah i'd love to see a star a short treks anthology for all the series you know yeah for yeah yeah, yeah space yeah. nine yeah. Really, when yeah. does cisco come back from that stupid time traveling he went into at the end of deep space nine? Oh well when i doubt the, they could lure avery brooks back so you won't oh, find out that point. one yeah. <laughs> that's a good point you're yeah. right that's the one guy well, you're we can not find, but get. we can find out what happens to kira down the road you yeah know, what yeah. happens to jake down the road Captain Proton. Yeah. Speaking of time traveling, when did Wesley come back out of his time traveling with the with the traveler? And yeah. there's so many things like that you could see. Uh, I'd love to see I'd love to see a short track with Riker getting his first command. I'd love to see just that quick little ceremony. There's so many things you could do. I would love to see an episode of Young Riker's first trombone lesson. <laughs> <laughs> no, but seriously, I was planning on asking you guys what you would like to see if short treks do continue what kind of thing would you like to see so those are all fantastic answers and well anticipated of my question keith um Mm -hmm. so chuck and veronica what do you what would you like to see a short trek devoted to i would really like to see them tie up a lot of the stuff in the um golden era i guess is what we're called which one is that the 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 from tos to enterprise legacy Legacy. Legacy era legacy era yeah um (laughs) <laughs> just to tie up some of those little things and they could easily do it as a cartoon. And if they can't, they should try and get mm-hmm. the actual actor back. But in certain cases where they definitely won't be back for various reasons, they voice actor. Yeah. 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 They could, get, they could get Keith to do Janeway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I, uh, one, one quick thing I want to say real fast is a track, a short track I liked that I didn't expect to like was the, uh, the escape artist. Yeah, oh, I like Harry that Mudd. one too. Now I'll tell you why this, you know, these things are very personal. I don't like Harry Mudd's portrayal in discovery only because he's murderous and the original Harry Mudd, yeah. I thought was more of a snake oil salesman, but not murderous. Now they made a point in this episode of saying that he was, he was wanted on 20 attempted homicides and one regicide attempt. Mm-hmm. So it looks like he's tried to kill 21 people, but looks like he's never killed anybody. But I still don't like the Harry Mudd who kills people, like in the episode where he kept killing them. So I didn't expect, um, he's just a little too menacing yeah. from the Harry Mudd that I saw. I wish he was a different character. I don't know. But I think the, the Mudd's women, Harry Mudd, like, I think the implication was that Leo Walsh is dead somewhere. You know, you know, <laughs> like he, he stole his identity at his ship and took off. But given what we saw, but I will say that's just that's one of those personal things where I either wish they toned down the Harry Mudd's menace or have a different character other than Harry Mudd. Yeah. But that being said, that was a fun episode. Yeah. At the end, we had all those freaking clones in mm-hmm. there. Or when he went to the when he went to the ship and the and the and the guy who the the Tellerite was turning him over to the guy sounded tired. Like, what is wrong with that guy? Uh, Harry Mudd, huh? Right. <laughs> yeah, I love that moment. That was so fun. <laughs> I like that one. Am that I was... am I remembering correctly that uh, Mike McMahon wrote that one? Uh, the, who's doing Lower Decks now? I believe that Mike McMahon wrote that episode. Um, <gasps> the Escape uh, Artist. Remember. I think that was his his first entry into entree into the nice. new Star Trek. Yeah. Charles, did you give us a, a short trek that you wanted to see? Uh, uh, Captain Proton. Oh, Oh, yeah. (laughs) Well, that was that one's one of mine, actually. And I definitely want to see that done. You've got to get you in touch with Garrett Wong and um, Robert Duncan McNeil, because as we talked about, you know, they really want to do a Captain Pro. Absolutely. That would be fantastic, I think. I think they can get a lot of people back to do that, too. Mm -hmm. The one that I really want to see, though, is uh, Short Treks should be uh, giving the opportunity to focus on characters that the episodes might not. So you don't need yeah. another Tilly yeah. one or another Saru one. Yeah. I want to see a short trek where um, all of the main characters are called off of the ship 
Mm. And they all like beam down to a planet or something. And it's the whole episode focuses on the bridge crew on discovery. Yeah. And they get an episode all to themselves and some crazy, crazy thing happens and they have to solve it. And then at the end of the 15 minutes, the, the main characters beam back up and they say, uh, all right, we're back. What happened? They're like, yeah, nothing. Everything's just sort of routine. <laughs> so I, I, I definitely want an episode. If they don't do one that focuses on individual characters, I want one that uh, you get to see, you know, Reese and Bryce and Owo and Detmer and Nilsson just do a thing, just have a uh, story and adventure that's all theirs. Yeah, I can see that too. I think that'd be fun. Yeah. Is is Discovery the only one where the bridge crew isn't the the also the main cast that always goes down and are randomly replaced by a random background character? Or was there another ship that did that? I'm not remembering one. No. Yeah, it's just well, I mean lower but, decks, the main characters are the lower decks characters. Right. Yeah. They're not the bridge crew. The bridge that's crew. Right, but you but you always had you always saw people in the background on uh, Voyager and TNG, but they weren't speaking parts. They were just sort of background people showing you that there are folks doing jobs on the bridge. Right. They weren't like given names. You in most cases, they didn't have dialogue. They, you know, you didn't get to see them every single episode, so you didn't get to know their faces and learn their names and things like that. To so be this fair, is sort they of didn't do that on Discovery until season two either. Well, no, <laughs> I mean. If you paid attention, you definitely <laughs> names in season one. Detmer's there from the very beginning. Owo yeah. comes in in season th uh, episode three, and and they're both there in every episode from that point on. Mm. They don't have much to do in season one. Season two, yeah. they really start to get fleshed yes. out a little bit more. Yeah, yeah. still not mm -hmm. enough for me though. Yeah, yeah Dis Discovery just has a kind of a weird setup where yeah, the main characters are not you know the the regular bridge crew like you would think of it. Exactly. All right. Well, that's uh, we're right up against time. Unless anyone had any closing thoughts about the short treks they wanted to share, make more short treks. Yeah, and I'm glad that this was a suggestion because I hadn't watched the short treks and <laughs> I thoroughly enjoyed them. Thoroughly enjoyed them. I did not dislike a single one of them, which is which is fantastic for ten episodes. Yeah, yeah. that's good. Oh, well, if, if where, where, where can people find you on the internet, Alan, if they want to hear more of what you have to say? Oh, I doubt anybody wants to hear more of what I have to say. <laughs> but if, if, if by some chance they wanted to, uh, my publishing company is Cosmic Press, K-O-Z-M-I-C press.com. And you can find me on that on Facebook as well. Um, I've got uh, my music program that I do every Sunday night on YouTube and on my Facebook page. I do a, a Facebook Live thing that goes out to YouTube as well. And wholanta.com you can also find wholanta on facebook in a group and a page and we have a virtual wholanta coming up on may 29th oh gosh and we got that's a month away coming out very soon yeah <laughs> how about you keith uh, you can find me on facebook and instagram primarily on all the eso network facebook groups is where i do most of my talking and how about us veronica felt nerdy.com nerdy puppets is our thing <laughs> that's not our slogan <laughs> no it's not but, I, but it, it could came, be it came out of my yes. it came out of my brain like as i was saying it <laughs> all right so i'm confused now about who's doing the sign off ronka did you advocate that to keith or um um i had an idea and then when you Go started it. saying it it fell out of my brain that's what happened last week didn't it I, I, yes yes <laughs> I, I like i had something planned and it's it's just let's it's hear gone. it off the cuff yeah yeah let's I, hear it um um, say sure is on. I, I want to say something from Proton, Captain Proton. That's one of the things that they say. Oh, <laughs> what's one of the things that they say, Keith? I don't remember. <laughs> um, no one remembers. Uh, uh, <laughs> I can remember Sound of Nine saying, I am Borg when she blows, she hits that robot. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember. I don't know. Live long and prosper. There, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. I like that. Thank you for listening to Earth Station Trek. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Give us a positive rating. You can also send us feedback at earthstationtrek at gmail.com. You can join in the fun on our Facebook group or follow us on Twitter. You can also visit us online at earthstationtrek.podbean.com. We'll see you next time. Live long and prosper. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. 
Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.